welcome to this episode of NatChat. Today we're going to be talking all around hybrid working and the implications that that has not only on your network but for your security infrastructure as well. I'm Hannah bailey Neal. I'm the Marketing Manager for Security here at Natilic and I'm joined by two lovely guests in the form of Rob and Ash. I'll pass over to Rob just to do a quick intro about yourself first. Yeah, thanks, Hannah. Um, so I'm Rob Eldridge, been at Natilic for five years, and effectively I look after the security practice for Natilic. Thanks, Rob. Um, my name's Ashley Georgeson, and I look after the enterprise networking practice at Natilic. It's an absolute pleasure to join you both this morning or potentially afternoon, depending on where you are, um, and look forward to an enlightening and engaging conversation. Perfect. Thank you both and welcome. So I guess um, why we're here today is that we're all kind of used to uh, the different experiences that we all have of hybrid working, be it working at home, in the office or anywhere in between, and how the emergence of cloud has really changed application delivery. So what I wanted to kick off the conversation with was kind of getting some insight from you both around what you think the key challenges are when designing wireless network solutions that can particularly cater for not only the varied locations, but the varied requirements of hybrid working. Ash, I'd love to kick off with you on this one, please. Uh, thank you, Hannah. That's that's a fantastic question. And I, I think to your point, we all experience this um, in, in any of those guises um, that, that you listed. And I think that drills back to the key point, which is the impact to that user experience. So we, we need to ensure that um, we have a handle on controlling user experience, um, actually understanding what that user experience is, regardless of location. And if we look back at the history um, of the last you know, five years or so prior to, to COVID, we we're all already seeing a significant shift in um, the overall IT infrastructure and architectural model as we, we see an evolution in design and um, usage of cloud services and how um, users' productivity is very much dependent on where those applications are delivered from. And that, that presents significant challenges to IT operations teams because they no longer support a lot of that infrastructure. Um, so I, I look at my home office today I'm fortunate enough that I'm an IT engineer from uh, past experience, so I can optimize and tune my wireless home network. But can I do that when I'm working in, in a, a cafe? Nope, I don't have control over that infrastructure, unfortunately. Um, but, but IT operations, they have to deal with this challenge on, on the daily basis. And that, that visibility gap, that gap of control over infrastructure, they don't have the capability to manage. I, I think that's that's the greatest challenge today. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, it's definitely interesting to see how, how it's kind of changing from day to day and year to year. I don't know if there's anything, Rob, from your side that you'd like to add um, in terms of the challenges that you're seeing. Yeah, so obviously from my point of view, I've got very much a, a security perspective, right? So in in my mind, what's happened over the last couple of years with hybrid work and it is that it can introduce complexity. And I think 
as a consequence, what you invariably get is inconsistent rules and policies. So what, what do I mean by that? Um, so trying to apply security policies across several solutions and potentially, you know, across several different vendors with their own logic is complex. And that makes it very, very much hard to troubleshoot, which I think what you're actually trying to get to. And what we generally find is that invariably that results in inconsistent user experiences and creates gaps in the security posture. So from my perspective, uh, absolutely, as Ash saying, this is the last thing you want from an operational point of view. You know, especially if you encounter any malicious activities like a breach or a ransomware event. So I, I think from our perspective, the modern recommendation is in this kind of hybrid working world is to essentially collapse vendors to, to streamline that day-to-day operations. So I think that's a very good logical first step. And then laying over the top um, some kind of visibility tool. You know, th- this will help you reduce your mean time to resolution. And I think it's this is what most companies should be striving towards. And if you look in the Wi-Fi world, um, there's some several good products. So we have um, a seven signal, for example, in the network and security world. There's um, a thousand eyes type solution. I think you, Ash, are very passionate about those two solutions, especially. And that's what I kind of look to do is simplify operations to make getting to the point of remediation as quick as possible. Yeah. It's critical, mate. It really is. And- that that um, that visibility visibility challenge. There's no one size that fits all, and there never has been in IT. We've always been sold the panacea of the single source of truth or the single pane of glass that tells us everything about everything. It doesn't exist, and it never will exist. So we really need those best in class tools that provide um, ops teams with that capability to troubleshoot quickly. Um, and even more critically, when it's on infrastructure that isn't theirs, which fundamentally is is the underlying principal challenge of hybrid working today. Perfect. Thank you. And I guess, Rob, sticking with you with your uh, security hat on, if we're thinking of all of the changes that come with hybrid working and hybrid working practices and how businesses are using technology, do you think that they are currently opening themselves up to more risk? And if so, what do you think are ways in which businesses might be able to mitigate the widening threat landscape that hybrid working inevitably has created? Yeah, yeah, another great question. So absolutely it does in my mind. Um, and fundamentally it comes down to at a high level, people and technology and when we think specifically around something like secure Wi-Fi, what we need to consider are a couple of things. So firstly, we need strong authentication and authorization. So for strong authentication, we, we should be looking to implement protocols like WPA3 for secure access. For those that don't know, WPA simply stands for Wi-Fi Protected Access. And WPA3 is a recent development. And aside from things like stronger encryption, addressing vulnerabilities in its predecessor, WPA2, it has the ability to provide each device with its own encryption key, whereas in WPA2, is devices all share the same key. So, so it's far more, far more secure. Obviously, we just need to ensure that access points support the new protocol, WPA3. For multi-factor authentication, or MFA for short, organizations should always enforce MFA for accessing things like critical resources, just to add that extra layer of security. But we also need to think about 
things like network segmentation. So we need to create separate network segments for employees and guests to prevent unauthorized access to internal resources. And we talk about this a lot, and especially I do with Ash, and, and how far you go down this rabbit hole of um, segmentation is is debatable. But effectively, you need some basic segmentation that's always advised. And the principle from a security perspective is that with segmentation, you make the attacker be more noisy effectively, and that makes them potentially easier to detect with, with our security tools. But we also need to think about how we manage devices on that network. So something like an MDM solution, you know, we need to be able to secure mobile devices accessing the network and define policies for which devices are allowed to connect. You know, we need to consider things like device type, operating system, security status. For example, a device with lots of vulnerabilities or has been jailbroken, you really don't want on your network. And then lastly, from my perspective, and potentially just as important, is you need to consider user education. So we need to provide security awareness training. We should provide prior training to both on-site and remote employees. And, you know, you need to think about covering things like security best practices, phishing prevention, and things of that nature. You know, the general idea is don't click on every link you get in an email. You know, think about it first. You know, who's this email coming from? Is the tone urgent? Are there demands for payment? Or does the language sound out of place from when you normally speak with this person? You can do basic things like hover over the link with your mouse and, and see what the actual domain is first before clicking on it, for example. And I think those concepts are fundamental steps in securing users and Wi-Fi networks, in our opinion. Fab, thanks, Rob. There's some really, really good tips there that people can kind of take away and that businesses can start to consider. Ash, I don't know if there's anything else that you wanted to add when looking more at the security side of, of network and how hybrid working has changed that. Yeah, I, I think that Rob raises some you know, excellent points there, um, particularly around the emergence of some of the new wireless standards for, for protecting um, and enhancing security that, that have come along with the emergence of the recent Wi-Fi 6E standard. Um, that, that also simplifies some of the challenges we've had with guest solutions in the past, um, which have always been quite problematic because they need to, in effect, support the connectivity of lots of unmanaged devices that you know, aren't the purview of IT. So things like open roaming, they're you know, a part of Wi-Fi 6E to simplify that that guest onboarding process whilst leveraging WPA3 and enhancing not only user experience, but, but critically security. Rob also made a fantastic point around network segmentation. Um, I feel this needs to be end-to-end -end for it to, to be successful. But the challenge of segmentation is we need to know what flows are we actually allowing, which are we denying and, and why? And in order for us to define those policies, we need the, the visibility tooling to help us create that. But <laughs> that's very hard, right? So I, I think what, what encourages me is the way the market's been adopting the use of AI ops tooling to really simplify the task of identifying those flows and, and making IT ops lives a lot easier by, in effect, suggesting those policies for us. 
Perfect, thank you. And I just want to stick with you here, Ash, and just look into um, if we're looking at maybe in terms of the consequences of hybrid working and maybe that leading into changes in the way that businesses not only invest in IT, but also consume IT. How, how can businesses stay on top of not only this, but uh, supporting IT and the wider business as a whole with these changes happening? Yes, it's a fantastic question, Hannah. <laughs> um, the, the way I'm thinking about it at the moment is I've, I've seen this trend of almost beyond BYOD, whereas if we roll back five years, 10 years ago, um, there was a big drive for businesses to support um, any device coming onto the network. Um, but this would be in the office, right? What, what we're seeing now is that um, investment by business is actually to support uh, people's uh, workspaces at home. So again, I'm, I'm now looking around my office and I've got three screens and I've got all manner of um, you know, connectivity and VPN um, hardwired devices back back to the office. Um, so that, I think there's been almost a reverse hockey stick of investment to support um, a better user experience as they're working from home. Um, how I probably anticipate this going forward in terms of IT budgets is there'll be significant savings in the medium term as they start to refactor their offices for a, a purer hybrid working approach. And, and what I mean by that is, um, yeah, we're using IT tools now to identify the appropriate scale of office investments. You know, how many floors do we really need given we've got, you know, three, three perhaps day um, visits on, on average per team. Um, but that's yeah, beyond that, there's also the technology. So we're now making far more heavy use of wireless infrastructure and reducing the reliance on, on wired infrastructure, which you know, has significant um, design changes to, to how we would um, put together a network versus several years ago, which allows you know, further cost um, reduction and, and savings in that capital infrastructure investment. And also that these new technologies, you know, we're still talking switches and wireless, but as, as the technologies are evolving, um, there's in, embedded innovations around how we can automate these systems, how we can leverage them to drive a, a sustainable outcome that um, helps businesses target their, um, their net zero initiatives and um, also engender in, in further cost savings. So I, I think um, it's, it's a deeper question than just IT operations. It's how um, investment in IT technology can can really support wider business initiatives um, across facilities, HR, and and beyond. One hundred percent. I think that was really interesting, and it's interesting to see how all those different elements kind of play into that question as well. Rob, I don't know if there's anything from your side that you'd like to add to what Ash has already kind of flagged. Yeah, yeah. I think Ash makes some incredibly important points around the operization of, of networks these days with hybrid working practices. Um, for me, um, I always think of things in terms of risk, right, because more security focus. And unfortunately, there has been a big, big shift from threat groups recently in terms of the number of ransomware attacks. Whilst 
also due to hybrid work, a big increase in the tax service itself. So, I mean, we always hear about attack services. Why do I think that's increased? If you think about it, people have more devices and they're generally now on networks because they're at home on, on equipment that's generally not up to what you would call enterprise levels. You, you effectively have basic routing devices from your ISP connecting back into the enterprise. And at the same time, these routers have various insecure IoT devices connected from home. And that's what I mean by increasing the attack set, because all of a sudden your network is now expanded into your home network, which, let's be honest, most of these devices don't have security um, in, in front of mind. So as an example, I think most of us have probably heard around um, the smart fridge that was hacked and used to send spamming, spam emails to, to various organizations. Or the other funny one was around the Vegas casino that was hacked a few years ago with the point of entry via a smart thermometer in the aquarium. So the, these are the types of devices you're now letting on your network. And the general trend is that more and more users uh, are going straight to the cloud and their SaaS applications via their own ISP and therefore bypassing traditional enterprise security systems. Because historically, you know, these enterprise grade preventions were held in a data center or, or in the headquarters. And that's just not the case anymore. I think the statistics are 80% of user traffic is, is straight out to the internet and information that and data that is held in cloud repositories or, or in a fully SaaS delivered service. So I think companies need to react to that and, uh, and apply security controls both in the cloud and to the endpoint and create a more serious um strategy around endpoints i think sometimes uh, good enough is not enough which is i think at Attilic, we generally think that a layered security approach is probably the best strategy in this particular instance yeah 100 percent. i just think in the the way the world is changing you can never have too many security protocols in place as well um to protect your organization but thank you both so much it's been a really really enlightening discussion i've really enjoyed talking to you both I guess my final question that I wanted to pose was just if you had any key thoughts or takeaways for our listeners who are kind of tuned in today, um, one or two things maybe that you wanted them to take away from from listening to you both on this lovely NatChat podcast. So, Rob, I don't know if there's anything you want to start to kick us off with here. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I like a good waffle every now and then. So it might be more than one or two points. Um, I like <laughs> no to be worries. thorough. But <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank you um i think from my point of view security can be complex to the uninitiated and i think as a consequence there has to be that realization there's no silver bullet unfortunately to help with all things like in what we're trying to do with secure wi-fi you know there's no one product but i think with the right strategy with the right tools and policies in place you can get to a level where you can almost have a peace of mind kind of knowing that your wi-fi is secure as possible, allowing you to browse the internet work and communicate online without really constantly worrying about potential security threats. And what do I mean when I say secure Wi-Fi? So in my, in my mind, secure Wi-Fi should include things like measures to defend against common cyber threats. So preventing man-in-the-middle attacks, phishing, malware. You know, with secure Wi-Fi, your data is encrypted. That makes it significantly harder for cyber criminals to intercept and still sensitive information while it's transmitted over the network. A secure Wi-Fi also helps prevent and protect against IoT devices, which I talked about earlier from attackers. 
So I think in summary, I think secure Wi-Fi helps prevent unauthorized users from accessing your network. It reduces the risk of data breaches, cyber attacks, and other malicious activities. And, and that's the point from a security perspective, right? And that's where we should all be trying to get to. We need to reduce risk as much as possible. In a hybrid world, the endpoint and where the data sits are the two most important considerations. And I think investment needs to be to be made in those areas. And I think that's where we're helping our customers. And I think lastly, I just wanted to bring up a point that Ash made around cloud adoptions and specifically around cloud-based security solutions. And through my time at Attilic, we have a large number of clients who have a cloud-first approach. And I mean, we endorse this in reality. And, and the reason behind that, I think, is adopting the cloud does have several advantages, especially when we talk about security solutions. Firstly, they allow our customers to scale resources based on demand rather than um, a licensing or user count. And thus, it reduces the need for on-premise hardware, which I think most companies are trying to get away from and managing that hardware estate. I think users of devices across various, various locations can connect to this cloud architecture easier, and that enables consistent security policies and network performance in a worldwide basis, so it's global. They enable quick adoption and adaption of new security features and updates without the need for manual hardware updates. We all know the pain of updating software and changing out hardware if it's not quite up to scratch. They generally come with optimal routing. So this ensures that data takes the most efficient path to its destination, right? And this even further enhances performance. And, and lastly, so I'll give um, Ash a bit of time, <laughs> is in my mind, they're edge-centric in design, right? So this effectively moves security and network functions closer to users and devices. And this really reduces latency and improves application performance. So there are lots of distinct um, advantages that this approach versus, let's say, the traditional approach to secure Wi-Fi. And that, that's kind of my two cents. Fab. Thank you, Rob. And Ash, I don't know if, if you have any kind of final thoughts that you'd like to leave our listeners with today. Yeah, sure. Um, wireless is hard, right? It's, it's difficult to tune. It's difficult to survey right. Um, it, even in locations that you own and operate you know, within the office, um, it's even harder when you don't manage the network or, or the facility, if, you know, if not impossible. So we need tools that support that focus on user experience to ensure that we're well aware of each user's wireless performance and in particular, but, but network format performance generally. And the only way to do that today is, is to address it through um, a broad range of monitoring and observability tools in order to, to address that visibility gap. And we partner with some fantastic um, vendors in, in that market space. Um, Rob mentioned something um, at the top, um, the likes of Seven Signal for wireless um, experience monitoring and, and Thousand Eyes for the cloud visibility um, gap and, and business um, performance monitoring. So uh, IT needs these tools to support um, a hybrid workplace policy um, because they need to know where they stand regardless of where users are based, what applications they're using in order to quickly resolve issues or even identify the problem domain. You know, how, how do we know if it's a problem on our network, the, the user's client wireless adapter, a, a cloud services provider, um, an ISP in between somewhere? But this is 
why we need observability tools to, to quickly identify who's who's at fault so we can escalate and get it resolved as quickly as possible, ensuring that our users remain um, productive. Um, so I think that's that's the key thing for me. We need to keep our users happy and we need to simplify the tooling that IT ops have to support them. Yeah, I'd, I'd just add one last thought to that, actually, just thinking about it. We recently went through this exercise um, with one of our clients and they took a solution from us that had inbuilt remediation um, tips, let's say. So I believe the statistic was something like 50% reduction in tickets to their um, support um, environment. So that made a big difference because you have users almost using like a chatbot AI to let them know potentially they're too far away from their um, wireless access point or their channels are congested, things like that. So we can also use tooling to help reduce the burden on the operational teams as well. And I think that's just as important these days. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you both so much for your time. I really, really enjoyed speaking with you both today and, and hearing your insight on this topic. Definitely very pro prevalent at the moment for lots of businesses. Um, and I just wanted to take the time as well to thank you, everyone who's listening at home. We hope you found the episode interesting. If you have any questions, then please feel free to email hello at natillic.com. Um, we'll be sure to get back to you. And what we've done is we've included a link to our free indicative Wi-Fi surveys in the description of this podcast. If you're anywhere on your Wi-Fi journey, so you're just starting out or you're midway through, uh, please click on that link and get in touch. We're more than happy to help. And um, we have many wonderful, friendly Natillic experts who are here on hand to help you in your journey. Um, but yeah, thanks again to Rob and Ash. Thanks to all the listeners. And we look forward to you tuning in for a future NatChat podcast. Thank you. Thanks, thanks guys. Thank you.